When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. With Tony Maradero. 55 seconds left in the penalty a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into Lemaire back to Lafleur. Oh! The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. <laughs> there is a bomb. Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoint, on lui fait perdre la rondelle une passe devant. Et c'est la victoire des Canadiens. You found the dogs. John, you found the dogs. He found the dogs. And all together they worked a young team to the top. And now a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground, your premier gaming destination. It's going to be sick. Marinero, the sick podcast on this Wednesday, January 31st. And I can't wait to be joined by Craig Button, TSN hockey analyst and director of scouting. But first and foremost, I want to talk to you about Energy Transportation Group, a leading full service logistics provider serving all of North America. This podcast is brought to you in part by Energy, also brought to you in part by these guys right over here, La Bitta TV, brewed in Quebec, whenever it does international awards. La Bitta TV offers quality microbrewery beers made with premium ingredients for everyone's taste. La Bitta TV, embrace your true nature. Also brought to you in part by Playground, over 30,000 square feet of new gaming, dining, and entertainment space. Time to reacquaint yourself with Playground, world-class sushi, AAA stakes, live shows, a brand new poker floor, and so much more. Located just over the Mercia Bridge, only minutes from downtown Montreal Playground. And now, without further ado, let's get to him. He is a regular collaborator on Wednesdays. He is Craig Button. How are you? I am good, Tony. How are you? I see you were at uh, CF Montreal today. I was following you on uh, social media. What was happening over there? Well, so I'll tell you exactly what was happening, Craig. Thanks for asking me about that. Actually, uh, so uh, we started up some time ago uh, also a CF Montreal podcast here on the Sick Media Network, uh, which I host. And uh, I did that last year, had a lot of fun with it. And this year, I think we're about ready to try and take it to another level the way we did with the hockey podcast, the Canadians one in the last year or so. So CF Montreal opened up their training camp a couple of weeks ago in Arizona. Uh, they came back on the weekend, arrived back in Montreal on Sunday morning. They were off on Monday and Tuesday. They're going to be training in Montreal over the next couple of days. I'm going to go to practice. I went earlier today. I'm going to go to practice tomorrow morning and Friday morning. Then on the weekend, they're going to fly out to Orlando, where they're going to be there for a couple of weeks, uh, have some time in Orlando, uh, also play a game, uh, preseason that is in Tampa, and then they're going to open up their season 
in about uh, three and a half weeks from now when they're going to play in Orlando City. So the season is upon us. So I was there uh, doing a little bit of uh, scouting, investigative work, a little bit of reporting, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, having fun. Having fun. A Tony of all trades. I'm going to call you a Tony of all trades. That's the way to do uh, it. Whole, you know, get in there, the do a little is, bit of reporting, yeah. do a little bit of scouting. Thank you. The goal is to have the best Montreal Canadiens coverage in the city and the best CF Montreal coverage in the city. And if you, if I can accomplish that, um, at that point, if you have the best Montreal Canadiens talk and CF Montreal talk in the city, chances are you have the best Montreal Canadiens and CF Montreal talk in the world because this is where it's going to originate from, right? So anyway, uh, we're on our way, and, uh, and uh, I think we're, uh, we're almost there if we're not there just yet, but we'll keep plugging away. Okay, it's uh, a bye week for the Montreal Canadiens, but there's a lot to talk about. And um, our buddy Elliot Friedman, on his podcast, 32 Thoughts, a couple of days ago, uh, brought up Sean Monaghan's name and said that there's interest in Monaghan, obviously, throughout the National Hockey League. He's set to take a look at the Rangers in particular. Um, but he also said, you know, Monaghan loves the Canadians. The Canadians love him. There is a possibility that, you know, he could resign in Montreal in the offseason. As a guy who was a former general manager, Craig, this is not something we see often, but talk to me about how difficult or not you think it is to have a player with you. You don't commit to him long-term just now. You trade him to continue to stockpile assets to your rebuild, and then you try and re-sign him in the summer. Talk to me about the challenges, because it doesn't happen often. Well, I think number no, no, it doesn't. And, and I think it speaks uh, volumes uh, about the relationship that Montreal Canadiens and Sean Monaghan have. You know, Sean came over in the trade from the Calgary Flames, started out, there. you know, there was an idea about, hey, you know, this is what we could do. We'll try to help you get your career back on track. Sean, unfortunately, got hurt last season and, and wasn't able to, to finish the year. Then he comes back in the, in the season, signs, and, he, and he's had a terrific year. You, you think about uh, the health that Sean now has, and, and now you see the productivity, and that should come as no surprise. And, and, and the fact that, you know, they're even talking about signing him again in the summer and the interest that Sean has in, in re-signing in Montreal, I, I think it speaks to a really, really good relationship. And, and that's ultimately what you want to have. And I think it screams uh, such positive signs for the Montreal Canadiens and, and for Jeff Gordon and Kent Hughes and, and, and the entire organization that you can have this. Now, at the same time, you know, dialogue is important with the players and, and you're constantly, you know, communicating with the player and his representatives. Okay, here's what we're thinking. Here's what could be a possibility. Is your, I, I think when you're at this stage of your career where Sean Monaghan's at, and, and I'm not saying he's old and it, it's over, but at this stage, he has earned the right to be able to have input into this. And to try to understand from a management point of view, how do you feel about this, Sean? How do you feel about here? Here's some of the places that, you know, have expressed interest in you. Is there is the one that holds a particular interest to you a little bit more than another? And and we'll protect you in that regard. You know, I'm just quickly to the Rangers, you know, Philip Heedle's out for the year. I mean, that that yes. now becomes a natural fit 
for Sean Monahan to fit into that spot with the with with the New York Rangers and and the salary that goes with it and and, and everything that can fit for them. But including Sean in 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 this dialogue and, and and understanding how does he feel about it? You know, again, we we saw it last year with Patrick Kane before he got traded. I I think it's the same thing. I think it's respect for the player. I think it's respect that's been earned by Sean Monahan, not only as a person but certainly with his play on the ice. And and so that's how I would be proceeding, and and that's how I expect and and suspect that Kent Hughes is proceeding. All right, so I, I was on uh, the um, Larac and Gonzalez radio show earlier today on BPM Sports Radio, and of course, because this talk now came out, the Canadians and the Rangers, and like you just mentioned, of course, there would be a spot for Sean Monahan and the Rangers. Mind you, I believe that there would be a spot for Sean Monahan on almost probably every single team going to the playoffs because I believe he's that good, that versatile, that useful, uh, and uh, and he can help any team, I think. But because that came up, obviously, you know, one of the dreams in Montreal is Lafreniere, but people have realized the way Lafreniere's played this season. You know, back in the, back in the preseason, Larry Brooks in the New York Post wrote that Lafreniere was like not giving it all his all and it wasn't working out. And it pretty much, you know, he was a bust for most. And then two or three months later, he's like an untouchable in New York and he's off to the races and he's playing to the potential that a lot of people saw in him. So because of, you know, the Canadians talk and the Rangers talk, a lot of people started talking about Lafreniere. And then I think a lot of people realized, OK, hold on a second. That will never happen. But Capo Caco's name came up in this conversation earlier today on the radio. So Larac and Gonzalez asked me, would you trade Sean Monaghan for Capo Caco? I said, I'd do it in 30 seconds. They disagreed completely. They said, no way, shape, or form would they make that trade because Capo Caco has six points this season and he's just, nothing's working for him. And I talked to them about, you know, Cole Caulfield. At one point, he had a goal in 30 games. Slavkowski, you know, earlier in the season, a lot of people thought he should have been sent down to Laval and now all of a sudden, Young players can have bad seasons. It happens. But I'd love to get your opinion on this because maybe I'm out to lunch. If I am, tell me. No, you're not out to lunch. You just got back from lunch. How can you be out for lunch twice in a, in a, in a two-hour span? I mean, there's no way <laughs> you can do that. Uh, what I would say to you is, is if we think back to what Kent Hughes has done and, and think about some of the moves that he's made, Right, like trading for Kirby Dock with a with a first round yeah. pick, trading for Alex Newhook, trading for Michael Matheson, and and maybe Michael doesn't fit into that category, but certainly Newhook and, and Dock do. Players that were drafted, expectations very very high. The reason I exclude Michael from this is because Michael had already been traded to Pittsburgh. So Newhook and 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 Doc were, were original draft picks by their teams in Colorado and Chicago. So if, if you're going to try to build with some young players and you and you want to be patient and you want to see some players, you know, reach to a point like you just talked about Lafreniere. Listen, I'll get back to Lafreniere in a minute. I'm going to finish this conversation first. Yeah. You know, so so now Capo Caco's had some injuries. If you go back to last year, let's just go back to last year. Caco and Lafreniere. We're, we're, we're on the same path. We're on the same exact path. Points-wise, very similar paths. You know, one was the first overall pick, Lafreniere. One was the second overall pick. You know, you, you, what, what, who are you going to get? Who are you going to trade for? Like, like Tony, I, I'd like to ask you this: Why did it take you thirty seconds? Because it wouldn't take me three to say yes. Yeah, that trade. 
knowing yeah. that I have a great chance to get the Monaghan back. So, so, so now I'm going to get a chance at Capo Cackle, a, a player that was highly regarded, I, a, a player that I think can absolutely, you know, be in your middle group of forwards, provide offense. He's a competitor. He's smart. And, and, and again, at that right age where you're trying to build through it. It wouldn't take me three seconds to go through that for, for what? For potentially renting uh, Sean Monaghan for three or four months? Like three se- three seconds or less for me, Tony. Yeah, well, listen. Personally, I don't think Monaghan's going to re-sign with the Montreal Canadiens. I don't see that happening. Um, but who knows? Stranger things have happened. I think Sean Monaghan's probably going to want to go to a place where he thinks that he can win the Stanley Cup in the next couple of years, which are his best years. And I don't. I, I think the Montreal Canadiens are probably, you know, four or five years away from being a legitimate contender, uh, like a legitimate Stanley Cup contender. So, and I, who knows? Sean Monaghan might probably be retired by age thirty-three or whatever it is. But I want to. I want to ask you about Kako because he's in his fifth season in the National Hockey League. All right, this is not your rookie season. This is not your sophomore jinx. It's not the third. It's never really materialized. We thought maybe last year he had taken a step forward in 40 points in 82 games. It's almost a point every other game. What's happening this season? Have you been able to put your finger on it? We're talking about the second pick overall in the 2019 NHL entry draft. Uh, A guy that a lot of people thought had all the tools in the world. What's going on? Why hasn't he been able to take off? Well, this year it's because of injuries. Like, I mean, it's simply because of injuries. He's been an injured player. He hasn't been able to, to get in there and be a healthy player, and he's been out for a long stretch for the, for the New York Rangers. They, again, eight, you draft a kid 18 years of age, and you put him in the, in, the, in the NHL, and at 19, you know, there's growing pains, and there's massive growing pains for these players. And, and, and again, it's why, you know, we set expectations, and, and, and I know I become guilty of it. I mean, I, I watched Alexei Lafreniere for a long, long time. And I had no doubt in my mind that he was the best player uh, in the draft when he, when he went first overall. I thought that he was going to be able to come into the NHL and make a real mark. And, and I thought he'd be able to do it sooner rather than later. And so, you know, not only do teams have expectations, but we also set some expectations. And, and they may not be realistic. And, and we have to mm-hmm. – but, but People are listening and go, oh, what's wrong with Alexi Lafreniere? Well, maybe there's nothing wrong with him just because of the, the, the expectations were, were probably set a little too high, by me included. And, and so certainly with Kako, there's, a, there's an expectation, second overall pick. You know, why, why isn't he doing what he's doing? I, I think there's any number of reasons. I go right to this year that he's a player that has been injured. So he had, and, and now he's back and, and trying to find his way. Yeah. For, 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 but this is where. Kent Hughes has gone about his business. Kirby Doc, you know, injured. Okay, we're going to take a chance. You know, you, you, you look at Alex Newhook, we're going to take a chance here. Those are the types of things that can pay off handsomely. And, yeah, maybe you can trade Sean Monaghan for a first-round drop pick. Well, what's that first-round drop pick from the New York Rangers? It, it, it's late in the first round, and it's going to yeah. help you win in four or five years? <laughs> I'm taking my chances. And, and the, and there's no certainty that player will play in the national. No certainty that player will play in the National Hockey League, Craig. 
No, there isn't. There isn't. And, and, and yeah. understand it's a late, it's a hey, oh, first round draft pick. Well, there's a huge difference between a first round draft pick that's sixth overall and a first round draft pick that's 26th overall. And that doesn't yeah. mean that, that you can't you 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 can't hit the jackpot at 26. What it yeah. means is it, it's gonna be it's gonna be a longer, longer road. So why not take a chance on somebody you might have a lot of reports that might get a lot of positive reports, I would imagine, on them, and then yeah. and, and then put them in a new environment and see how it goes. Look, but but I understand missing 21 games or whatever it is due to injury, but I, I still want to dig a little bit more with you if I can, and I get it. Not every second pick overall goes on to be the second best point getter of that draft year. But, you know, there are some things that, that stand out regarding that draft year. Capo Caco has played more games than Mort Sider, who went number six, who's a defenseman, and Sider's got 14 more points. He's played more games than Dylan Cousins, who went seven, and Dylan Cousins has 44 more points. He's played more games than Trevor Zegras, who went ninth, and Zegras has 42 more points. He's played more games than Matthew Boldy, who Boldy went 12, and Boldy has 31 more points. He's played more games than, uh, or no, he's played less games than Cole Caulfield, no, he's played more games than Cole Caulfield, pardon me, a lot more. And Cole Caulfield has 19 points. Now, all the players that I talked to you about, Mort Sider, Dylan Cousins, Trevor Zegras, Matthew Boldy, Cole Caulfield, Kako has played considerably, considerably more games than a lot of those players, but still has less points. So is this just a question of, in your opinion, a player that wasn't able to take his potential and bring it to the National Hockey League level, a player who maybe is just taking longer, but you're convinced when all is said and done, will still be one of the top three players of that draft? Or have you been able to put your finger on something else? Well, I I, I think you got to be patient. I think it goes to the one that might take him a little bit longer. I'm, I'm not convinced. In fact, I would not say that he's going to be one of the best three players from this draft. But you know the names mm-hmm. you just mentioned, the names you just mentioned, and 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 most cider, you know, I'll put him to the side. You know, there's lots of talk about Zegers being traded. What an off season he's had because of injuries. There's lots of you know Matthew Boldy earlier in the year. Lots of talk about him, you know, not performing very well. And what's wrong with Matthew Boldy? You know, there's going to be growing pains for younger players. I mean, I mean, you're talking now about players that that are turning that are going to turn 23 this year, 23. In, in, in this calendar year. I mean, they're 2001 born players. And so, you know, you, you, you talk about Trevor. Dylan Cousins is having a massive offseason in Buffalo. A massive offseason in Buffalo. If you go and read stuff in Buffalo and and, and and hear what's wrong with Dylan Cousins, like what's wrong with Trevor Zegras? Is he on the trade block? What was wrong with Matthew Boldy earlier in the year? So, again, young players, you you go through this, you go through the process of trying to help them get to the NHL. They're trying to learn what it takes to be productive in the NHL and to be really good on a game in game out basis. And and we want to snap our fingers and think, oh, it should just happen because you're the second overall pick. Now that doesn't mean, and and, and I said it just now, I, I don't think Capocacco is going to end up being one of the best players in the draft. I don't think it's going to be close. But given 
what 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 you what you're considering and given what his background was in the assessment and you may have to modify the assessment and go okay can we live with a 50 point player can we live with a 45 point player and are we and, and what's the history in the draft of getting that type of player at 26 or 27 or later in the first round when you're drafting and and now you know it's that old saying a, a bird in hand is worth two in the bush like I, i'm taking the bird in hand in kako and I'm going to, based on this conversation, I'm not going to trade prime players for Capo Caco, but if it's that's something that can make a deal happen, like I said to you, less than three seconds to say yes on a deal. If they wanted Sean Monahan and they offer a Capo Caco, less than three seconds. Yeah. So now, because we're talking about young players and players who might be available, uh, we don't know if Caco is or he isn't, by the way, but you brought up Kirby Doc. And you brought up Alex Newhook. These two players were acquired by the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, Newhook, I believe, was the day before the draft, last draft. And Doc was the day of the draft, the draft before that. Uh, both former first-round picks. Uh, Doc, uh, a 21-year-old center at the time when the Canadians acquired him. Newhook, a 22-year-old center at the time when the Canadians acquired him, who can also play wing. So can Doc, by the way. If those are the kinds of players the Canadians are looking at to help accelerate the rebuild, players that have already been in the league for a couple of years who have are still young, relatively inexpensive on the cap, have an untapped potential, who are the names that you think might be some of the usual suspects? Because... At around this time, a year ago, Newark's name was floating out there. Around this time, a couple of years ago, Doc's name was floating out there. And then, of course, they were acquired in the offseason, the day before the draft and the day of the draft. Have you heard of some young names that teams may have fallen out of love with, given up on, or might might, might well, be I willing think, to I, move I, I because think the of... Uh, yes. Tell me. I, I, I think the biggest name is Trevor Zegers. I, I mean, there's lots of lots of uh, undercurrent uh, surrounding Trevor Zegers, and certainly, again, he's going to turn 23 this year. He's, he's a very gifted, very talented player. You know, the, the Anaheim Ducks just traded for Cutter mm -hmm. Gauthier. They have Mason McTavish. There's some really good players. But when when I start to look and I start to consider you know, that type of a player that might be available. And it, to me, it's like, geez, when, when a name like Trevor Zegers comes up, I, I can only tell you what I'd be doing if I was a man. I'd be following Pat Verbeek every day. What's it going to take, Pat? What's it going to take, Pat? Tony, you'll remember this. You will remember this very, very well. And I believe it was in the 01 season, 2001 season, Vincent Le Cavier. There was a lot of talk that the Tampa Bay Lightning were going to trade him. Listen, I phoned yeah. Rick Dudley every day. I phoned Rick Dudley every day. I think Vassal at that time was 21 years of age. You know, they were at a point in time where they were they, – and, and, and there, was like, there was lots of teams phoning Tampa Bay on Vassal and Cavalier. Sessions were hot. They were heated. They were heating up. Finally, the owner stepped in and said, uh-uh, we're not doing this. And they changed the manager – and Vincent Le Cavalier went on uh, to, to, to a magnificent career, winning the Stanley Cup in 2004. But just think about that. Just think about Vincent Le Cavalier in 2001, all of 21 years of age, and they were, they were in serious, heated discussions 
with with teams all around the league. And somebody yeah. said in Bethampton, including the Canadians, if all these teams are if all these teams are interested in Vincent, why are we not interested in them? And I, I feel the same way about Trevor Zegras. Like, sign me up. Pat, we're going for lunch. We're going for breakfast. We're going for dinner. Where we go? What's yeah. it going to take? I want to know what's going to take. Now, it, it might, I might not have, I might not be able to satisfy what it takes, but I'm going to find out. When you're talking about, and I think Trevor Zegras is an elite talent. That's the name that clearly comes up now that at this point in time. And, and, and I hear it time and time and time again. And so I think when you start to consider the talent level of Trevor Zegras and, and understanding that the ability to add this type of player, who I think is a front line, I think he's a difference maker. Everybody can talk about, oh, the, oh they call him a showboater. Listen, I, I've watched Trevor for a long time. Trevor's a dyed-in-the-wool competitor. When it counts and when it matters, you can count on Trevor Zegras to deliver. All this other stuff, I don't even care about. But that's the name. That's yeah. the name that I am. And when I look at – let's go back to Montreal now. I've said this. Yeah. You've heard me say this on the show before. The Montreal Canadiens have a cupboard full, shelf-stocked of prospects. Lots yeah. of draft picks. They're not all going to play for the Montreal Canadiens. Figure yeah. out how you can how you can support your team and, and strengthen your team by using some of these prospects and draft picks to move it forward. So I'm going to get to Zegris in just a second here, but uh, I want to get back to Le Cavalier for a second. Was it Brian Lawton at the time? And was the owner Mr. Vinnick? Was that it? No, that, no, uh, no, no. Brian came in after. The, the, the general manager was Rick Dudley. And, it uh, was Rick Dudley, and, but and, when you said a general manager change happened, was, did it go t- from uh, – No, Dudley Jay Feaster. To- Jay Feaster. No, Jay Feaster Jay came Feaster, in. Correct, correct. Brian Lawton came in. Brian Lawton came in after the lockout. Yeah, it yeah, was and they won the Stanley Cup, and they won the Stanley Cup a couple of years after. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and and if they would have traded Vinny Lecavalier in two thousand and one, when his name was out there, they probably wouldn't have won that Stanley Cup. And what was it? Oh four, I think. <laughs> I think it was an oh four. Yeah, they, 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 they wouldn't have won it. <laughs> well, I shouldn't say that. Uh, I mean, who knows what they could have got in return? But you know, their chances of of, of winning it, you know, were going to be lessened without Vincent Lecavalier. Le Cavalier was was almost traded on a couple of occasions, as a matter of fact, because at one point the Canadians were throwing the house at the Tampa Bay Lightning to try and acquire him. And that's when the owner stepped in again and said, we're not trading this guy. Okay, I want to get back to Zegers. You said something about a minute ago. You talked about Zegers. Then you said there's the showboater. And by the way, I love guys that showboat. I don't have a problem with it, all right? If they're showboating, means they're good. It means they've done something pretty spectacular on the ice. But then you said competitor, which piques my interest here and my, and, and my curiosity because for whatever reason, there's a, there's a label that has been put on Zegris by many that he's um, not a playoff player. He won't show up in the playoffs. You won't win with guys like that in the playoffs. He won't give you a second effort. He's very individual. And every time, and I'm all in on Zegris, by the way, uh, because you know what? He's going to entertain the hell out of me, and, and I can never get enough of players who can entertain the hell out of me. But every time I bring up Zegris's name, there's a lot of people who are against it who would say, Zegris in Montreal would be the same thing as Jonathan Droy in Montreal. It's not a fit. It won't work. As a matter of fact, it's going to be an epic fail. What do you say to those people? Well, I, I mean, everybody, you know, can have an opinion and whatnot. 
I've watched Trevor since he was 16 years of age. And I've watched him in a lot of challenging environments and a lot of challenging situations. I have never seen Trevor get backed out of a game. I have never seen Trevor get pushed out of a game. You know, I'll give you a little quick synopsis here before I get to the to, to, to before I finish. You know, the you, 2001 you do that, please, and in the meantime, you do that, program, please, Craig. Yeah. No, Craig, I was saying you do that. And in the meantime, I'm yeah. going to look up the synopsis to see what it means. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Go ahead. Oh, okay. So the 2001 group is the best group I ever saw come through the USA National Team Development Program. And I was there from day one watching it. Best group I ever saw. Jack Hughes, Caulfield, Zegris, Boldy, uh, Spencer Knight, Cam York. It was an unbelievable group. At Christmas time that year, the 2000 group was not a great group. So five of those players went up to play with the 2000 group. And that was Spencer Knight, Cam York, Alex Turcott, Cole Caulfield, and Jack Hughes. So now the, all those other players were left behind. And, and now you're 16 years old playing in the USHL. You're playing against all junior players. And, and that's what they have to do. And so now you, your best five players at that time are gone. Your goaltender, defenseman, and three forwards. And I watched Boldy, and I watched Zegris, and I watched a number of those players. They stepped up big time under unbelievable challenges. And, and, and they were able to help that team, as 16-year-olds, be competitive. So when, when, you're, when you're playing against 17, 18, 19, and 20-year-olds, and, you, and you're holding your own, in, and you've lost a lot of the key players on your team, that was impressive in and of itself. They, they won the U-17, the, the under U-17 World, World Challenge. That I never thought that anybody could beat them at the under 18. They ended up losing. Askarov was unbelievable in the game. They lost in a, in a shootout. Yeah. The World Junior Tournament in 2020, Trevor Zegers was the most valuable player and against a Canadian team that I thought might have been one of the very best teams they ever put together. And Trevor in that gold medal game uh, was unbelievable. He was unbelievable the whole tournament. And one of the things about Trevor is he's got this great confidence about him. He did it at BU. He's done it in the NHL. And I think a lot of people confuse confidence with, you know, cockiness. And Trevor's back there. Yeah. He's back at every single turn. He says, you can doubt us. That's okay. Bottom line is, I'm going to go out and show you. And he has. So I can only tell you what I think. I can only tell you what I've seen. And I've seen it for a long yeah. time. I see a dyed in the wool competitor. I don't care about the other stuff where people want want to uh, associate something to say, oh, he's not a position. Will you showboating? Trevor Zegers can showboat all he wants, and because yeah. what I've seen in him is a guy that wants to be a, that wants to be a difference maker, is a difference maker, and you can count on him when the going gets tough. Can I add a couple of names to that 2001? If memory serves me well, sure. Uh, Alex Turcott. Yep. And uh, and uh, Cam York. Cam York on the blue line. Cam York's playing pretty good in Philadelphia. I mean, he took, he, yeah. he, you know, he they, they worked him in there. Alex Turcott left school too early. I mean, him, him, and him and him and Cole Caulfield are playing at, at Wisconsin. They're playing great. Alex decides I'm going to leave after my freshman year. I, I've said this. Cole Caulfield comes back the next year. Him and Dylan Holloway are arguably the two best players in college hockey. Cole wins the Cole wins the Hobie Baker Award. Tony Granado's the coach. They're doing Marco Siki, an excellent coach. They're there working with these guys. But the young players are maturing. Now Alex goes to the NHL, and and I say this about young players: the first thing you need to do is be ready. 
to play at the NHL level or the pro level. Because if you're not ready, it will chew you up and spit you out like nothing, like baby vomit. And that's what happens to young players. That's what's happened yeah. to Alex Turcotte. And I, I, I really like Alex. I like Alex as a person. I thought Alex had talent. And, and, and certainly you'd like to see him be able to find his way. Bottom line is, is Alex Turcotte has struggled mightily in pro hockey. Yeah. Craig, a scout that I very much respect, uh, said to me once upon a time, Tony, uh, I never saw a player get burned because he spent one more year in college hockey or a player get burned because he spent one more year in the, Na- in the American Hockey League. But I've seen plenty of players get burned because they went to the National Hockey League one year too soon. Uh, it, yeah. Those are true words. True words. Yeah. So um, back to Zegras for a second because uh, you said I'd call Pat Verbeek every day. Pierre Maguire said, Tony, I know the player very well. I've seen him play since he was 12. And would I be interested? Yes, very much so. But I would, you know, I, I, I at a price, at a certain price, I'm not going to go above and beyond. Okay. So there is interest there as well. I told you, like I said, I, I, I you know what? I would take this guy on my team any day of the week and twice on Sunday because even if half the things that people say are true, it's not going to change the fact that this guy here, has a skill level that's off the charts. And, you know, fans pay about 500 bucks for a pair of tickets and a parking and a beer to go watch a game. So this guy's going to be worth the price of admission on many nights. Having said that, when I bring him up, a lot of people say, it's going to take a lot to get Zegris. And I said, yeah, it's going to take a lot because he's an exceptional talent. Well, they say, yeah, well, are you willing to give up a lot for a player who turns RFA in two years and might want to get out of there in Montreal, might want to get out of Montreal in two years from now, like Dubois wanted to get out of Winnipeg, or Max, his RFA year, he signs a one-year deal, and three years from now, he's gone. And I said, I'll cross that bridge when I get to it, number one. But number two, if the Canadians acquire Trevor Zegers and they put him in the hands of Marty St. Louis, and they have their coaching staff and their development team continue to work with him, and he is able to rekindle that magic that he had with Cole Caulfield and that friendship on and off the ice, he might just love it here, and he might want to sign a long-term deal here. So why don't we just go with that? Your thoughts on acquiring a player who turns RFA in a couple of years from now you might have to give up a lot for him, but there's a chance in two or three years he's gone. It Did looks that, like Craig has jammed up. I, no, okay, we got it. Were you nope, jamming up I'm okay. There? I'm okay. You got me now? Okay, good. good. Yeah, yeah good. I think we just jammed up. Okay, but I heard your question. I heard your question. So what I would say to you is players like Trevor Zegras don't come along very often. And, and, and he can always look at reasons for not to acquire a player. Always a showboater, always an RFA. He can walk in three years. Oh, he won't like Montreal. Bottom line is, is you get to acquire a player. And, you know, if you have him for three years, you know, you got a chance to put him with the coaching staff. you got a chance to show him that this is a great place to be. And, you know, I, I hear this all the time. Oh, geez, American players don't want to play in Canada. I, 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 you want me to go across the country and tell you all the players, all the American players that have signed long-term in Canada? Like, they've all signed long-term. Nobody's leaving. They're signing here. It's a, it's a, it's a bad narrative. 
about this idea that they don't want to play in Canada. Austin Matthews, Quinn Hughes. Uh, you, you can look at uh, uh, Brady Kachuk and Josh Norris and Cole Caulfield. They're not leaving Canada. They're staying in Canada. Connor Hellebuck in Winnipeg. It's a, it's a, it's a garbage argument. So let's just call it what it is, a garbage argument. And so, so, so now we go forward with it, right? Yeah, the cost is going to be high to get Trevor Zegers. Did, did you look at what his point total was last year? Take a good look at what Trevor Zegers' point total was last year. You're telling me this isn't a good player? I'll tell you a, I'll tell you a great story. 65 we, points last year, 81 games. Yeah, yeah, on a team that was terrible. So the 65 points, you don't want Trevor Zegers. Okay. Uh, we were we were trying to reshape our blue line, and uh, we were looking at different players. Anyway, Sergei Zuboff's name came up. I can tell you this. I can tell you this, Tony. The number of people that told us in Dallas, oh, Zuboff isn't this, isn't that, isn't that, isn't this, isn't this, isn't that, don't touch him, don't go near him, blah, blah, blah. It was unbelievable. All the people that didn't have any stake or any skin in the game. Les Jackson who was our assistant general manager at the time, I'll never forget. He came in with his paycheck and he showed Bob Gainey. He said, hey, Bob, you see this? Made out to Les Jackson from the Dallas Stars. Do you want my opinion or do you want everybody else's opinions? And Bob, like, no, you're right, okay? Bob went to the World Cup that year, to the World Cup that year. He was an assistant manager. Mark Messier came up to Bob Gainey and said, you're going to love Zuboff. This guy is unbelievable. What a great competitor. You can always count on him and everything. So uh, that's what I'm going to say. Listen to, listen to all the people. I'm not listening to anybody that's not part of my organization. I'm not, I'm not listening to anybody that doesn't have skin in the game. So everybody else can go on about it like that. We ended up with a Hall of Fame player that was an unbelievable player. And let me tell you that. Thanks to Les Jackson for standing up and putting a stake in the ground. We were all on the Zubok train, don't get me wrong, but Les was the yeah. one that stood up and did it. He was part of that cup team, was he not? Oh, yeah. He was part of everything. Yeah, he he was, a, he's a big, time, a big time member of that team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. No, listen, Sergey Zubov was unbelievable <laughs> on the power play, five on five, puck moving defenseman. I mean, he, the way he he thought the game was it was off the oh. charts. Look. Uh, it's a bye week for the Montreal Canadiens, folks. So uh, this was recorded just a little bit earlier uh, in the day. And we're going to cap it uh, probably in about three or four minutes time. So I'm going to leave you with this. Uh, Jacob Fowler, what can you tell us? Because the stats are absolutely off the hook. Uh, Fowler in the NCAA, 18-4-1, 25 goals against average, 924 save percentage. I mean, we saw Caden Primo put up amazing stats at Northeastern uh, himself, but what Fowler's doing right now with Boston College is incredible. And add to that, Ryan Whitney on the Spitting Chicklets, uh, Spitting Chicklets podcast, listen to this. You want to make headlines? He talked about Fowler, and he said that Fowler reminds him of the following goaltenders – Patrick Roy, Marty Berdur, and Dominic Hasek, and Carey Price. Hasek, Price, Roy, and Berdur, all in one. Now, look, chances are he's not going to be Hasek, Price, Roy, and Berdur all in one because that's going to make for the greatest goalie in the history of, of hockey. But what can you tell us about him? 
Well, the, the, what I'll tell you is this: is you got to understand that Ryan Ealings are really, really hurt because Boston College in the Battle of Com Ave just went and beat BU twice. <laughs> so Ryan now, be, be, because because Jacob is such a great goaltender and, and Ryan's a, a Terrier alumni and a proud Terrier alumni, you know, he, he now looks at Jacob Fowler as unbeatable. And, and that's what happens when, when, you're, when, when you're an alumni of, of a school that just got beat twice. Jacob Fowler, to me, reminds me of Connor Hellebuck. That's who he reminds me of. And, and, and he reminds me of Connor in the sense that he's got this composure. He's got this real settled approach to the game. His, his, his sense and awareness and IQ is outstanding. I saw, I, I saw it last year in Youngstown. I saw it this year at the World Junior Tournament. I've seen it this year at Boston College last year. You're, you're looking at somebody that has all the qualities that I think translate to success in the NHL. He's got excellent athletic ability and, and you know, the size and everything that goes with it. It, it. It's an outstanding prospect. When I talk about all the, all the shelves and the prospect covered being covered, well, Jacob Fowler's got the goaltending, uh, you know, shelf covered. And, and that's really important for them. But, you know, I, you know, great. Ryan talks about those other goaltenders. Connor Hullabuck has won a Vezina Trophy. Arguably, not arguably, to me, the best goaltender in the NHL this year. And, and when I compare somebody to Connor Hellebuck, you know, you're putting them in a pretty in a, in, in, in pr- pretty great company. And certainly Ryan did that with the four goaltenders he named. But, you know, and, and again, th- th- that's a nice, nice, nice situation for the Montreal Canadiens to be in with, with somebody that I think clearly, clearly, let me be very clear on this, is the number one goaltender in the NHL. That's what I project them to be. Uh, Connor Hellebuck, I, I think it's safe to say that's a top five goaltender in the National Hockey League in the last five years on pretty much anyone's list. I can't wait to see this guy here. Craig, a privilege. Not just, you know, just this, this was not just not just a, a regular appointment for me. Some are more special than others. It's always a privilege. Uh, Craig, I'll talk to you soon. Oh, yeah, you will. Thanks. All right. Take care of yourself. All right. There you have it. Uh, of course, TSN hockey analyst and director of scouting. There you have it, Craig Button. Marinaro, uh, that's it. But before we go, I want to give once again a shout out to uh, the poker tournament, the poker tournament that's going to take place at Playground, uh, which is going to be Sammy Cavallaro's first annual poker tournament. And uh, of course, proceeds are going to benefit and be donated to Cure SMA Spinal Muscular Atrophy. Saturday, February 17th. At 6 p.m., of course, at Playground. Aniello will be there. More importantly, Sammy will be there. And I will be there. The number to call for tickets, 514-219-2725. 514-219-2725. It's going to be a great night of poker. It's going to be a great night of fun. Talking. Talking Habs. Talking about your favorite subject talking about your favorite sport, talking about your favorite team, playing poker with proceeds going to an amazing cause to help people like Sammy and others who have been affected with SMA, spinal muscular atrophy. Once again, Saturday, February 17th at 6 p.m. at Playground. The number to call one more time, 514-219-2725. For Playground, who's one of our sponsors, for Energy Transportation Group, who's also a sponsor for La Bit at TB, who's also a sponsor. 
And for Agnello, Sammy, and Juliana at Master Control, they're Cavallaro. I'm... Tony Marinaro. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinaro on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. LaVita.TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground, your premier gaming destination. 